Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing. Deep left field. This is way back. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 4th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and the returning Chris Towers. Chris, may the 4th be with you. Oh yeah, that's today. I love Star Wars. Yeah, I'm a fraud. I didn't even I, think about that. I haven't even, there's like three movies I haven't seen. I'm, I'm a fraud. I just, I wanted to say it, so... I've seen all. I mean, I don't think I think Azer finally saw them uh, within the last couple of years. But for a long time, he hadn't seen any of the Star Wars movies. So I guess you're you're doing better than the previous host of this podcast in that regard. I saw the seventh movie, which I guess was the most recent, the first of the most recent trilogy. And then I didn't watch the two after that or however many movies came out. I I did a three hour podcast with Nick (laughs) Pollock of Pitcher List about the second movie in the new trilogy. If you ever want to check that out, Uh, it's longer than the movie itself. (laughs) Maybe I'll do that. That was a good time. Just just watch the original trilogy. Everything else is derivative. Oh, I've seen the original trilogy, Scott. That's great, but Oh, okay. Yeah, Man, no, I've seen great. I've seen the first six movies yeah. and then the seventh movie and then nothing. Clone after Wars, that. Rebels. There's that, a lot of good stuff out there in the Star Wars extended universe. Chris, you know I've got a long, long list of things to watch. Anyway, That's today true, on the yeah. show, we're not going to talk about Star Wars for the entire podcast. We really are going to have maybe our most extensive worryometer yet. Is Jazz Chisholm awesome? And another weird start for Charlie Morton. Of course, we'll talk about all that. But first. Take it away, Susan. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Eleven. Eleven in a row. Anyway, Chris, what do you got? Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, 11 Yankees wins in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's right, Chris. I've been doing this for a while, Chris. Yeah. I know we haven't seen you in a while, but yeah, it's getting it's getting old. Yeah. Nobody, nobody likes that. Uh, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, nice, nice bounce back start from him. He got rocked in his previous outing, eight earned runs and three and two thirds, but he came back with eight shutout against a Braves lineup that has not hit, been hitting the ball particularly well. But still, you like to see it. Uh, 18 swinging strikes, I believe, for Carlos Carrasco in this one. Uh, let me make sure 17 of them. Eight on the fastball, nine on the slider. And overall, I mean, only four, five strikeouts today, but overall, he's been very good this season. And um, it was nice to see him bounce back like that. To, in, in case you had any concerns. For sure. Yeah, this was his second start of at least seven and two-thirds innings pitch. He did that earlier in the season as well. Uh, the fastball and slider accounted for 83% of Carrasco's pitches in this start. Changeup took a bit of a backseat, but didn't really matter mm-hmm. because the fastball and the slider, they really had it working in this one. The ERA is 3.30. The whip is 1.00 for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, I- I'll point out too, his changeup had been his best swing and miss pitch this year. So for him yep. to just ditch it and still get 17 whiffs, pretty good. Yeah. And based on those 17 swinging strikes, I would imagine he probably deserved more than five strikeouts. So again, if you're worried about the strikeout total at all in this one, you should not be. Carlos Carrasco uh, is awesome. Just stay healthy. Scott, who do you have? Oh my goodness gracious from Tuesday. I'm going to go with the guy who's. Widely available, and that is Tommy Pham. Had a big game, three hits, including a home run and a double. He's been hot, too. The the overall numbers, you know, you can understand why he's so widely available because like many other hitters, he was off to a dreadful start in April. But his last eight games, now he's batting 400 with two home runs and four doubles. And what's most impressive about Tommy Pham is that even... Excluding 
what he did today with the home run and the double and the three hits. 98th percentile in average exit velocity. Basically the top of the heap. He's hitting the ball as hard as anyone on average is Tommy Pham. Low line drive rate, so you know you can understand why maybe the batting average is suffering, but I'm I'm not I don't think that's going to be a long standing issue. I, I just think that's early season noise and the quality of contact is the bigger deal to me. Uh, especially since he's starting to heat up. Obviously, playing in Cincinnati, it's going to help those numbers play up. He has some stolen base potential, only one so far, but we've seen him steal lots of bases in the past. So I think this is somebody who needs to be picked up in all 5 by 5 leagues and uh, really anywhere you need outfield help because there's a chance he's he's just going to be... There's a chance I think he just takes off and becomes a must-star player rest of the way. Scott, I'll do you one further. I think that he is a must-add player regardless of format. Three outfielder leagues, points leagues, category leagues. Tommy Pham right now, you mentioned the quality of contact. His batting average, his actual batting average is a 240. His XBA is 262. His X-Log is 482. He's in the 80th percentile in sprint speed, according to StatCast. He walks a bunch. He's got a 12% walk rate. 25% strikeout rate is more than manageable. He's only 38% rostered on CBS, which to me makes him the most under-rostered player right now Hmm. in Fantasy Baseball League. So I am willing to make that claim. Chris, you weren't as on board before we started. What's wrong with adding Tommy Pham? Well, no, it's not so much that you shouldn't add Tommy Pham. I think it's fine to add Tommy Pham. He's a hitter who's hitting well right now, and there aren't many of those. So yeah, add him. I I just like the the most under-rostered player... his numbers coming into this season or into this game were like 703 OPS, three home runs and a steal. So like that sounds like a guy who's rostered in 38% of leagues playing (laughs) a bad lineup, coming off a bad season, right? coming off a bad season prior to that. The interesting thing is he's been underperforming his expected stats three years in a row now. Um, He's actually, his expected WOBA has actually remained relatively constant. 360 in 2020, 354 in 2021. 359 entering today. It was 380 in 2018, so not that far off, 359 in 2019. So I don't know if it's just been bad luck over the past couple of seasons and maybe we're, maybe he's due for, for a little good luck or at least maybe he won't have such bad luck this season. But I also wonder if there's something in his approach that makes him prone to underperforming. You know, when we think about guys who tend to overperform uh, expected stats, the kind of player that you would think it would be a fast player would help, which Tommy Pham is. But, you know, I, I think there's also like guys who spray the ball all, all over the field, guys who tend to hit the ball in the air to the pull side. And Tommy Pham does not do the latter. Uh, he's pretty pull heavy when he hits the ball on the ground. He is not at all when he hits the ball in the air. Um, last season, I think his. His pull rate on fly balls was 15%, and on line drives, it was like 18%. So, you know, if you were looking for a type of player who might underperform their expected stats, that's, that might be what it would look like. So that's one thing to, um, you know, keep an eye on with Tommy Pham. But yeah, I agree, Adam. There's, mm-hmm. I've got- there, there are so few good hitters right now. Yeah, I mean, that that's the main takeaway is like anyone that's hitting should be rostered. And that's why I just find it interesting that Tommy Pham is uh, as low as low rostered as he is right now. Would you guys drop? There's three names I'm looking at here. Uh, Dylan Carlson, Avisael Garcia, Jared Kelnick. Would you drop all three for Tommy Pham? Uh, definitely the first two. I would try not to with Kelnick, but right. Right, there's an upside issue with Kelnick that I'm not not quite ready to to pass up that. Uh, not knowing how May is going to play out across the league, I'm, I'm hopeful that offense improves quite a bit. I don't think, like, I, I think it's going to be a bad year for home runs specifically, but in, in terms of how balls in play perform, uh, strikeout rate is actually improved this year for the first time in like decades. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping we'll, we'll see something similar to last May where there was just terrible numbers from high-end players. And, and then, you know, they, they took off basically from May 1st on. I, I would drop Joe Adele for him. Yeah. yeah that, 
Makes sense. Joe Adele sent down, of course, to AAA on Tuesday, and his roster rate is still 67%. So that is a move that you can make, and that's a good call, Chris. Unfortunately, our guy, Joe Adele, um, we're not going to see him for, I don't know, at least the, the foreseeable future. At least 10 days. At least 10 days. That is correct. Oh, my goodness gracious for me, and this will take us right into Worryometer for today, Charlie Morton. Another... I'm not going to say rough start. I'm going to say weird start. On paper, it's it's not a good one. Five and two-thirds, six hits, five runs. Four of those were earned. Three walks, three strikeouts. He only had five swinging strikes in this start. That is now four straight starts where Charlie Morton has three-plus walks in a start. And that is... He didn't even do that last year over a three-start stretch. Three-plus walks. He's now done that four starts in a row, four of his first five starts to open the season. He only had first pitch strikes to 14 of 28 batters in this one. And same issue that we talked about last week, Chris could not get his fastball or his sinker over for strikes. And of course that's just going to lead to a bunch of problems because you fall behind in the count. Then people are not going to chase the curveball later on in the count. Curveball hasn't looked great either, but also in this start, he was just unlucky. There were some soft hits early on in this game, some bad defense, and then he settled down. He yeah. retired nine. He got, he got burned by the shift yeah. a few times. It only gave up six hits. So you get yeah. burned by the shift a few times. He, yeah. re- he retired nine of the final 12 batters he faced too. He was much m- more efficient over those, you know, really three, four final innings for Charlie Morton. So that's why I say it's a weird start. It's overall, I, I don't know. There's some good, there's some bad. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. The worryometer level for our guy, Charlie Morton. It's still pretty low, to be honest. Uh, I'll go. I'll go four. There, there's, there are a lot of people trying to convince me I should not be backing Charlie Morton anymore, and I don't know why. I don't know what they stand to gain by convincing me. I, I think maybe they're just looking for me to talk them out of their stance. Hopefully, because uh, you know, w- what good does it do to convince me? Not to buy Charlie Morton. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really quite understand what their motivation is. But in any case, you know, you you broke it down pretty well. I'll also point out the average exit velocity against him in this game was eighty two point two, so very low. Uh, wasn't getting hit hard on average. He st- he still only had five swinging strikes, so it's not like his stuff was playing up. Uh, he's he's clearly fighting it right now. You mentioned the location; that's a part of it, but. Velocity looks good. That spin rate is still 3,000 RPM on the curveball. It's not like there's obvious skills erosion happening here. I think he's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, Paul Paul Bird, who's part of the Braves broadcast team, was pointing out how he, he had a mechanical issue early on last season that was contributing to some struggles, and he feels like he's seeing more mechanical problems for Morton here in the early going. Uh that's something that could be fixed very suddenly. And so, you know, I just I just want to point out it's a long season and about halfway through last season he had a 450 ERA, did Morton and and obviously ended up with ace-like numbers. So, I was to the point after his last start where I, where I said, "Okay, obviously you can't drop him, but you can sit him if you want to." Kind of backed off that when I saw he had two starts, that the temptation there was too strong for the two-start week. But you know, I'll I'll reiterate that I, I still th- I still buy him long term. If you want to sit him till he gets things right, I, I don't blame you. All right, I did see this I, tweet I'll... from sorry, Chris. Uh, I saw a tweet from David Adler. He does work with Statcast. Apparently, the break on Charlie Morton's curveball isn't the same this year. It's like just not as good. But yeah, it's not off by some crazy margin. But it's it is not as good. So I uh, just wanted to get that in there, Chris. Two questions for you: Do you bench him for now? Do you look to buy low? I do want to buy low. It reminds me of Luis Castillo at a similar point last season. And and the thing with Castillo was he didn't turn it around immediately. You know, it did take until around June before we really started to see the results. But the thing there was you looked at the underlying uh, numbers. And when when we say underlying numbers, there's a couple different ways that we can mean it. We can mean like strikeout rate and walk rate and the the peripheral stats. But And, you know, in those regards, Trevor Morton's not pitching well. He's just not <laughs> the 17% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate. Like that's, that's terrible. And if he continues pitching like this, he's going to be terrible. Um, he hasn't been unlucky, but the underlying physical factors, like Scott said, the velocity, the spin rate, the, the release point, that stuff mostly looks right. I'm not going to say it looks 
all the way right. Um, you know, the extension that he's getting on his pitches from the pitcher pitches mound is not the same as it has been last year. And that could point to a, a mechanical issue, but it just, it's one of those situations where it seems like Charlie Morton's probably just off. And that makes me think that he'll probably just get on at some point. Um, you know, not to oversimplify or to express too much faith because there's no guarantee that he gets there, but it'd be one thing if he was throwing 92 miles an hour or if he just didn't have the feel for his curveball at all and he just couldn't spin it the way he has in the past. But neither of those seem to be the case. It kind of just seems like he just needs to pitch better. And I have faith that he will. Okay, I believe the next start for Morton is this weekend at Milwaukee. If you play in a daily lineup league, Scott, kudos to you. You said to bench Charlie Morton in daily lineup leagues yesterday. So I would say uh, stick with that. No, he's at home against the Brewers this weekend. I, yeah, I'm, I would, like, I'm, yeah, I'm fine benching him until he figures it out, but definitely not dropping him, yeah. which I'm sure there are uh, some people out there who want to. Um, and I wouldn't be trying to like spite trade him either. Like, I don't <laughs> think this is a get whatever you can for him. I think it's like Luis Castillo last year, and it's going to be, it's frustrating when you're in it, but I just, I have faith that he's going to figure it out. It doesn't seem like he's that far off. All right, let's move over to a few other players on the worryometer. Trevor Rogers with his second rough start of the season. This one up against the Diamondbacks. Four and a third innings, six hits, five runs. Four of those were own, uh, were earned. He only had seven swinging strikes on 78 pitches. Scott, the ERA for Trevor Rogers, 6.14. His whip is 1.50. What is the worryometer, worryometer level on Trevor Rogers? So... Based on my priors, it's going to be higher than for Morton because I was worried about Trevor Rogers coming in. I had him on my preseason bust list. Uh, I don't know why I'm not getting why people aren't trying. I'm not getting any questions about dropping Trevor Rogers. He has an ERA over six. He has a one and four record. I don't, I don't know why those questions aren't coming in. It's because he's not and 38 I'm, years old, Scott. That's why. <laughs> coming off a broken any, leg. Yeah. I'm not saying anybody should drop him, but yeah, it's kind of a weird. Double standard there. Anyway, he looks a lot like the guy we saw the final two months of last season. His swinging strike rate is just over 10%. It's not very good. And so I, I am worried about the same things I was worried coming into the season where he just, I don't know if he caught the league by surprise those first two months last year, if his stuff was just playing up in a way it never has before and then returned to normal. I don't know what happened to cause his effectiveness to drop off mid-season last year, but it seems to have carried over into this year. And if that's the case, he might be a, kind of a borderline mixed league guy. The changeup is what has really stood out to me for Trevor Rogers. The swinging strike rate on that pitch last year was 19%. So far this year, 9.7% on Trevor Rogers' changeup. So. Yeah, that's that's where I would push back on the he looks like he did the last two months last season because he still had a swinging strike rate with the changeup of it, or a whiff rate with the changeup of at least 30% every month last season, uh, including 29.3% in July of 2021. I know I said 30%, but we'll round up. And then 35% in September. So far this year, it's 18%. Well, it's 18% coming into this start. And he had three whiffs on eight swings on 25 pitches. So still not great. So I, I that's the biggest thing. Is it's just his best pitch last season. He doesn't seem to have right now in a way that wasn't true. At the end of last season, he's getting a, a decent amount of whiffs on his slider. He's getting a decent amount of whiffs on his fastball. His fastball swing and strike rate is actually up. And so I don't know what that what's going on there. I don't know if that's something to be concerned about, but it does suggest to me that there there's a relatively straightforward fix. I don't want to say there's an easy fix because I don't know what's going on. I, I've but seen it a does seem like it's just get the get the changeup back. I, I've seen a suggest because the changeup is playing so poorly um, that maybe he's tipping the pitch, mm -hmm. which is which would be a quick fix. But yeah, I mean, obviously, since I came in with some skepticism, I'm going to be a little more worried than somebody who didn't. 
All right, let's move over to a hitter, Marcus Semien. He actually went two for five on Tuesday. It was his third multi-hit game of the season. He is now batting 165 with zero home runs. His expected batting average is 174. Uh, Marcus Semien's average exit velocity is 84.8 miles per hour. That is seventh lowest among qualified hitters. Chris, your worryometer level for Marcus Semien. Yeah, I realize n- neither Scott nor I has actually answered the warriometer portion <laughs> of the question so far. So I'm going to go ahead and put... I think it's a six, didn't I, for Rodgers? Uh, I Did didn't I? hear a number. I'm going to say okay. two on Morton, three on Rodgers, four on Simeon. So whoever's next gets a five, I guess. Wow. You're, you're, yours is calibrated lower than mine. The th- well, the F- thing F- with I Simeon know. is... Um, I don't know, like... This is, this is still a hard time of the year for me because I tend to react slowly. And it's entirely possible that Marcus Simeon just, for whatever reason, has just lost it. And we were skeptical that he was going to repeat last season. I don't think any of us expected him to, but you know, we we still all expect him to be pretty good. Um, and maybe he's just going to stink all season long. He's thirty-one. That happens, but he's still running fast, and his max exit velo is right in the same range as it was last season. 108.1 so far, 109.5 last season. It's usually right around 108. He's not striking out a ton. He's not swinging and missing at an abnormally high rate. He's not chasing at an abnormally high rate. Like It mostly just seems like he's not hitting the ball well right now. And maybe that will continue. Maybe there's something broken with Marcus Simeon that won't be fixed, but... Is, is I, what's it broken. doesn't. I don't think the underlying numbers suggest that Marcus Simeon has just collapsed in terms of his skill set, and so I genu- generally believe he will be roughly as good as he as I expected him to be coming into the season, which is significantly worse than he was last season, but better than he has been so far. I don't know that anything will have had to break for Marcus Simeon for him to no longer work in this league context because he was one of those fringier exit velocity guys who somehow still managed to get a lot of home run power out of it. And now we're seeing specifically the way way that numbers have declined from last April. Yes, batting average and and offense is down as a whole, but those numbers are batting average bad, but they're actually similar to last April, right in line with last April. It's really the home run to fly ball rate that has dropped the most from last April, which would affect the fringy exit velocity guy. But that's not really what we're seeing with Marcus Simeon. It's not like he's hitting the ball as hard as he did last season. And it's just dying at the warning track. He's like, but you're, but he had a 41% hard hit rate last season. He has a 23% hard hit rate this season. So like you're saying his max exit velocity is similar to last year. His fly, he's a guy who puts the ball in the air a ton. So he needs mm -hmm. those fly balls going over the fence. And, and yeah, I mean he's he's also cold, but I'm 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 saying that it could be a combination of the two. That yes, he will be better than a, a 163 batting average, but will he be? Uh, will he be someone who produces like a must star player in fantasy? And I, I I'll I'll put my worryometer as I'll put him at a five on the worryometer. The contrasting argument that I'm going to make. I'm going to argue against myself here. Marcus Simeon hit 211 with a 658 OPS last April. He was one of those hitters who, one of the many, many hitters who looked like he he was dead last April too and then suddenly came to life. Uh, and that could happen again. But the odds are even longer this year, I think particularly for a hitter with his, his batted ball profile. All right, let's move back over to the pitching side of things. Scott, your boy, Ranger Suarez, he's been quite blah through his first five starts. 4.63 ERA, a 1.63 whip. He was pitching again on Tuesday. He allowed five runs. Three of those were earned over five innings pitched against the Texas Rangers. Uh, The swinging strike rate is down this year. The ground ball rate is down. Sinker hasn't been as effective. Uh, What is your worryometer level on Ranger Suarez? It's a five, but less because of what he's doing right now and more because there just isn't much of a track record to 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 fall back. Obviously he was great last year. And I think because he was so good last year, he deserves a longer leash. People are asking me if they should drop him. 
Well, I mean, he's more droppable than Charlie Morton, but me personally, I wouldn't drop Ranger Suarez because I think if you you have ground ball skills as good as his, uh, that is that is the sort of outlier skill set that is worth betting on over the long haul. It's worth pointing out he basically didn't have a spring training. Mainly command has been his issue, and command is the sort of thing where it can it can influence if you're struggling with the command, it can have wholesale impact on your on your stats. It could add, it could explain the drop in strikeouts too. But the pure stuff metrics, at, like with Charlie Morton, looks pretty similar to last year. And uh, so, yeah, I want to hold on to Ranger Suarez, but I'll, I'll put him right in the middle of the worryometer at a five. Are you good with keeping him on the bench for now, Scott? Uh, I don't think it's as automatic as, as with Morton. He hasn't been bad in the same way Charlie Morton has. He just hasn't been good. He's been underwhelming. His his previous outing was a quality start, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the the whip and ERA are both higher than you'd like. I think in a points league, especially, I'm not going to flatly say sit Suarez because obviously he's relief pitcher eligible. All right. Somebody who has been quite bad, just straight up bad is Tyler Malley, he leads all qualified starting pitchers with a 7.01 ERA. And on Tuesday, he allowed five runs. Four of those were earned over three and a third innings pitch. I've noticed the control is way off this year. The walks are up for him. Three more walks in this start. He has 14 total, and he's averaging 4.9 walks per nine. Chris, your worryometer level on Tyler Malley. I would say I'm like a six. I mean, the thing with Tyler Malley that's tough is he's a tinkerer. He's always been a tinkerer. He likes to tinker. And that has manifested itself in his career in various ways. Sometimes he just won't throw one pitch from one start to the next. Sometimes he'll have a completely different repertoire from one month to the next, one season to the next. Right now, he has stopped throwing his slider to left-handed hitters. He's yet to throw one so far this season. He's throwing only cutters and then splitters and fastballs. And... The slider whiff rate is really high, but everything else is pretty mediocre. And so I I generally think that what's going wrong with Tyler Malley is probably that he's just trying to figure things out right now because he doesn't have overwhelming stuff. Um, and he's never had great command, so he's always had to kind of figure out what's working for him at any given time. And when that's the case, I think things can get pretty ugly. You know, that there can be a, a lack of cohesion and a lack of confidence. Um in the, the way that he pitches sometimes. But I, I generally think he'll figure it out. But, yeah, I'm not so confident in Tyler Malley and his skill set and his background that I'm I'm willing to overlook these kind of struggles. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more worried about him than anyone else we've discussed so far. All right, uh, we'll get to waiver wire pitchers in just a little bit, and I'll bring Tyler Malley's name back up then. Scott, we're getting a lot of questions about catchers right now as well, so I'm going to lump these three together. How would you rank them in terms of how how worried you are to least worried? Does that make sense? Which one are you most worried about? Salvador Perez, Yasmani Grandal, Mitch Garver. They're all batting below 200 right now. I'm not worried about any of them, to be honest. <laughs> I guess I would say I'm most worried about Grandal because he's old and because he is making weak contact, like much weaker than we're used to seeing from him. And and so I guess there's some percentage chance this is just the beginning of the end for him. But I would still bet against that this early in the year, coming off the year he just had. Uh, I'm least worried about Salvador Perez. I mean, he's the most established, obviously, and, and his quality of contact is still very high. Uh, he's not making enough of it right now, but, you know, in the long run, I think he's going to be fine. I still have... Gar, I, I, you know, I, I, I have them all ranked basically the same way I had them ranked coming into the year. So my opinion on them hasn't changed. For Garver, yeah, I've been encouraged by how much he's been playing, even more than I hoped he would. And I'll point out for him, last April, like I, I did the same thing for Simeon, last April, Mitch Garver hit 172 with a 644 OPS. The rest of the way, he hit 289 with a 957 OPS. If, if, if this year played out similarly, it wouldn't at all surprise me. All right, Salvador Perez, by the way, his average exit velocity is nearly in line with where it was last year. Seems like he's just kind of selling out for power. His fly ball rate on the season was 53.6% entering Tuesday. 
That was 40% last year and 40% for his career. His line drive rate is way down, which has affected the BABIP and, of course, the batting average for Salvador Perez. So I think as he hopefully distributes the, these batted ball events more equally, you know, you can't always bank on that happening, but we have a pretty big sample size with Salvador Perez. Go ahead. I Chris. haven't been moved to drop any of these guys in the rankings in any way. Um, and I haven't really been moved to move anyone ahead of them. So in the uh, immortal words of the Reds owner, where are you going to go? <laughs> you know, like, let's say you have any of these guys on your team. What do you like? Who, who, who are you supposed to add? Like Alejandro Kirk just had his first extra base hit of the season. There are like 10 catchers hitting over 200 right now. It, it's, it's as bad as it's ever been. It's not like you have opportunities, even for someone like Mitch Garver, who's relatively low end relative to the other guys, but I still think is a, a must roster player, a must a start player. Like I'm not, there's nobody that I'm, I'm looking at and saying, wow, I, I'm, I'm glad I have that. Like <laughs> there are 27 catchers with 50 plate appearances this season. Would you like to know how many of them are hitting better than 267? Mm, that's a very specific number. I will say <laughs> two. Not, I know, th- I know the number one and number two. This was coming into today. I know Travis Darno is batting like well over 300. That's the only one I know. Over 267, I'll say, yeah, it seems like a good, I'll go three. You guys are way over. Travis Darno is the only catcher hitting better than 267. <laughs> Elias Diaz is hitting 267. He is uh, number two at catcher. Yeah. Six catchers are hitting better, are, are hitting 250 or better. Uh, let's see. Three catchers have more than two home runs. Uh, I believe three catchers have more than nine RBI. Four catchers have more than... Uh, you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's a struggle. It, it's definitely... A, even more so than it normally is, the catcher is always yeah. kind of a wasteland, but it's been really bad. We were talking beforehand, second base, I was updating my rankings on Tuesday. It's a wasteland right now. Trevor Story has done nothing. Whit Merrifield dropped and in the lineup. Jose Altuve just came back from injury. Marcus Semien has been awful. Cattell Marte has been awful. It's possible that those two positions would be more impacted by a... a a in an offensive environment where the ball's not traveling as far and the you know offensive results are down because those would be the two places where you would expect the most marginal offensive production. So it's possible that that's what we're seeing. But Grundahl, Garver, and and Perez have all been guys who've hit the ball really really hard, even relative to baseball players, not just catchers. So you wouldn't think they would be impacted. If anything. If they were doing well, you would you might expect them to be better relative to the position than they would normally be. So I I can't bring myself to be worried about any of those guys. Plus, I'm gonna say this again. I feel like we were having these exact same conversations at the end of last April. The, the, the one thing I will say is they're all 31 or older and catchers. So like like Scott said with Yasmani Grandal, it's possible that this is just it. You know, that that the the end comes quicker than you expect, and sometimes you don't get warning signs. But like, I need more than seventy some odd plate appearances. Okay, so you guys would be looking to buy on all three if you could. Yes. Well, I guess you don't want three catchers on your team, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, one's enough for me. Buy Perez one on three. in three different leagues. Yes. There you go. Waiver wire pitchers. I wanted to mention uh, some of these names that popped up on Tuesday. Bruce Zimmerman has now allowed two earned runs or less in all five of his starts. Chris Flexen now has three starts in a row, allowing two earned runs or fewer. Brad Keller makes it four quality starts in five tries. This one was up against the Cardinals. Uh, Christian Javier, two solid starts in a row, five and a third shutout innings against the Mariners. Michael Waka has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in all five of his starts this season. And then Jamison Tyone turns in his first quality start. It was at the Blue Jays. And I noticed he threw his cutter a season high 28% of the time. It's a pitcher he just started throwing two starts ago. So I found that kind of interesting. Uh, Scott, any names that stand out here for you? Tyone, Walker, uh, Waka. I kind of, I just read Javier and then I combined Waka and Javier together <laughs> and it made Walker. Uh, Waka, Javier, Brad Keller, Flexen, Bruce Zimmerman. We were just talking about how, how crazy it is 
the way certain hitters batting averages look right now it's wild looking at some of the the pitchers the the like just lame pitchers <laughs> what some of their eras look like right now waka's era for the year is 138 uh jameson tyone's era is 284 and bruce zimmerman's era is 148 it's like how that's just that's just bonkers. That's just bonkers. And and like I, I don't think it's a reflection of how good these pitchers are in any way. The one who kind of is capturing my imagination a little bit is 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 Bruce Zimmerman, who I've talked about before. His swinging strike rate, excluding this game, hasn't been updated yet, but it's twelve point three percent, which is good. His xFIP is 284, which is good. I mean, these are a lot of the numbers I normally rely on to evaluate pitchers. Bruce Zimmerman is 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 showing up high in them as well as having that low ERA. He hasn't pitched particularly deep into games yet. Only once has he gone six innings, but it's possible. It's possible he's going to be halfway decent for the long haul. And uh, I would say of these three, he'd be the one I'd most likely to pick up. I'm still not especially motivated to do it. But Tyone and Waka, I don't see a lot of... I don't see a lot of uh, encouraging signs there, projection-wise. Yeah, I think the top three for me on this list, Zimmerman, Christian Javier, and then uh, Tyone after... Just because mm-hmm. I don't really trust Flexen, Keller, or or Waka very much. Chris, would you drop Tyler Malley for any of those names? I don't think so. Like I, I'm interested in, in Zimmerman. Uh, you know, the the changes that he's made to his pitch mix are are sort of interesting, throwing more uh changeups in particular, but his fastball's so bad that it's just like it's hard to it, it's just it's really hard to be good. With a fastball as bad as his, I mean, I, I'm, the swinging strike rate entering today's start was like seven percent with the fastball. I think his woba allowed with the pitch last season was almost five hundred. Um, let me see, four seventy, four ninety one woba allowed last season, seven eleven slugging percentage with his fastball. So, I just. You can only go so far, and he's throwing at thirty three percent of the time right now, and even that might be hard to get away from. Um, so I, I think there's a fairly low ceiling on what Bruce Zimmerman can be, but what he's shown so far is somewhat interesting. All right. Before we hit the break, I want to remind everyone, you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify. This is something that's just popped up over the last couple of months. So if you do listen to us on Spotify, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating there. We really do appreciate it. We'll take a quick break and we'll return right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. 
So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The news and notes, we've already mentioned it, but Joe Adele has been demoted to AAA while Jose Rojas was recalled. And I assume that Adele could be dropped in all redraft leagues. Well, I, I don't know that you need to drop him in all those five outfielder leagues. He becomes one of the better prospect stashes out there, I would say. So if you're in a league where it's obvious you need to be stashing O'Neill Cruz or Nolan Gorman or whoever, then you probably need to be stashing Adele as well. And frankly, if they're not going to play him every day, it's better that he's in AAA for his development. Uh, there so. are still still things to be positive about. <laughs> Even as bad as things have been. I, I don't know why his defense is so bad. That's baffling. I don't remember that being a scouting thing. Uh, but 531 expected Wob on contact. Like, he was crushing the ball. So I, I still have hope. But yeah. All right. <laughs> the <laughs> Reds activated catcher Tyler Stevenson and they placed Joey Votto on the COVID IL. It's unclear how much time Votto might miss. Lou Trevino. What? Did you guys see his tweet yesterday? Yes. Did we talk about that on yesterday's podcast? No, I didn't mention it, but yeah, feel free you to mention quote it. quote tweeted a piece from Fangraphs, like, is this the end for Joey Votto? What was it? Something like, I'll, I'll see you in five months or something. I think he said five or months. Five months to go. Five months to go. He's like, I don't know. Get ready or something like that. I'm I'm enjoying Joey Votto's time and in, in social media. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the next day he's placed on the COVID IL. Uh, here we go. He said five months ago. Enjoy the show. And then I saw that uh, Amir Garrett quote tweeted it, and he's like, "I know Joey Votto. This man's about to go off." So hopefully that's the case because I have a I have a few Joey Votto shares myself. Lou Trevino was reinstated from the COVID IL on Tuesday, and I just saw. <laughs> That he Real bad. pitched in that game. So yeah. Danny Jimenez pitched in the eighth inning of a... They had a two-run lead at the time. And he faced the top of the lineup against the Rays. Uh, Kirby Sneed came in for the save. He he blew it. He gave up two runs, so we got a tie game. Going into extra innings, Lutrovino gives up five runs, four of them earned on four hits, a walk. Uh, just looked absolutely terrible. So if you picked up mm. Danny Jimenez in the meantime... I think there's a chance that he might just stick as the closer for now because he's he's been really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani was back in the lineup as the DH on Tuesday. Love to see that. Tigers pitching prospect Alex Fiedo will make his debut on Wednesday, starting one of the doubleheader games against the Pirates. My guess is that he'll be optioned back after this start. Former first-round pick in 2017. He missed all of last season due to Tommy John surgery. Scott, is this just a name to watch for now, Alex Fajardo with the Tigers? I mean, he got off to a really good start in the minors this year, but he'd kind of been off the prospect radar for a while, and much higher-end Tiger prospects have, have all pretty much flopped so far. So I'm not not especially motivated to, uh, to pick up Fajardo or anything, but sure, keep an eye on him. Luke Voigt began a rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. He's on the IL with a biceps injury. Kyle Lewis will begin his re, uh, beat rehab assignment at AAA as well on Tuesday. Uh, he is 46% rostered. And if Jared Kelnick just continues to play this bad, I think he's probably going to be the one that loses out on playing time. Uh, but Kyle Lewis is coming oh, back soon. Mitch Haniger is out for a while now, so is it sure. still... I don't, I don't know that anybody needs to lose playing time. Fair. Uh, MJ Melendez made his debut at the at DH while batting seventh in the lineup on Tuesday. He went one for three. I was really impressed. I saw some of his plate appearances. He was taking close pitches. His pitch recognition looked solid. He had a walk as well. Two hard hit balls, including one that went 375 feet. It was 102 miles per hour off the bat. Would have been a home run in nine of 30 ballparks. So a nice little debut there for least, MJ Melendez. Yeah, maybe last season. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they've updated that yet. Yep. Edmundo Sousa, uh, Sosa was placed on the COVID IL by the Cardinals, and as a result, prospect Juan Yepes was recalled. He was hitting 279 with nine home runs and a 974 OPS at AAA this season. Scott, should we add Juan Yepes anywhere or just see if he plays in the meantime? Yeah, I mean, we got to see how much he plays. He was, he had some deep sleeper appeal back in spring training when it looked like he might win the DH job. Pretty good hitter, but so let's see how much he plays and uh, react to it then. 
Miguel Sano will undergo surgery later this week to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. Wade Miley is set to begin a minor league rehab assignment on Thursday. Carlos Santana was scratched Tuesday due to right ankle soreness, and this is especially interesting because Royals first base prospect Nick Prado has been coming around recently in the minors. So if there's any extended time missed for Santana, just remember the name, Nick Prado. Josh Winder is expected to make another start this Friday in Oakland. He was great in his previous start. Mm. Wilson Contreras Mm. was not in the lineup Tuesday with an undisclosed injury. He is day-to-day. Sonny Gray will make a second rehab start at AAA later this week. He's on the IL with a hamstring injury. And Nelson Cruz exited Tuesday's game with back stiffness. So if you were hoping for Coors Field to get him back on track, you might have just missed out on it, unfortunately. Is Jazz Chisholm awesome? Let's talk about it. He went two for five with a double. All right, fair enough. Let's move on. Uh, He went two for five with a double, two RBI, and he is now batting 318 on the season. Has four homers, three triples, five doubles total, four steals, and OPS over a thousand. Uh, I noticed he's dropped the ground ball rate quite a bit this year. Line drives, fly balls are up, the pull rate is up, and earlier in the season, the stack cast numbers didn't really back it up. All of a sudden, the expected batting average and expected slug, they look really good for Jazz Chisholm. Chris, what do you think? Is Jazz Chisholm awesome? Yes. Now, is he this good for fantasy? That's a different question. Jess Chisholm is indeed awesome. Uh, but I'm skeptical that this just represents some new baseline level of expected production from Jazz Chisholm. He's still striking out quite a bit, not an alarming amount, but 27% is not so far from 29% that you can just say it represents a new skill set. I think that's probably... If he struck out once, maybe twice more so far this season, he would have the exact same strikeout percentage. So not really ready to make uh, any sweeping declarations there. He's hitting the ball really well, but that's the kind of thing Jazz Chisholm can do from time to time. You know, we saw it last April. Uh, mm-hmm. He was one of the best hitters in fantasy. One of the now, few. I, I'm not exactly sure whether the underlying numbers were the same, whether he was hitting the ball as hard consistently as he is now. Uh you know, 27% line drive rate, a 31% hard hit rate based on um, Fangraph's splits page. I'm not sure how that compares, but I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. Trying to kill time. 26% line drive rate, 35% hard hit rate. There's differences there. But for the most part, this looks like just a locked in version of Jazz Chisholm. And it's entirely possible that he's just locked in now that this is just the, the the light switch flipped on and Jess Chisholm is just going to be an amazing player moving forward. But I'm, I'm not prepared to say that yet because we saw him be streaky last season. And the thing about streaks is they come and they go, they ebb and they flow. Um, And so I want to see what it looks like for Jess Chisholm when he's not hot before I make a call. And maybe that's a cop-out. But I guess it's all to say that I wouldn't recommend going tr- to try to buy Jazz Chisholm right now. Fair enough. So I guess the flip side of that's that... That's not to say sell Jazz Chisholm. Yes, that was my next question. Scott, obviously you were one of the more skeptical people on Jazz Chisholm coming into the season. What have you uh, seen? Would you look to sell high on Jazz based on what he's done thus far? I am a little skeptical too. I mean, it, it's possible it's a breakout. Uh the the talent, you know, he, he has a great tool set. And a lot of times those guys do break through and become studs. So that that was always on the table. Uh, but like Chris said, I mean, the biggest changes in the underlying numbers are line drive rate. It's, it's just ridiculously high right now, obviously unsustainably high. And the barrel rate is about twice what it was last year. Not that that isn't a number he could sustain, but as I pointed are- out a number of times... Uh, Barrel rate this early in the season could just be an indicator of streakiness. Of, of and then being, those are just two incredibly noisy stats. And right. when you talk about barrel rate, like his barrel rate is twice as high as it was last season. It's It was 9% last year. It's 15.6%, so almost twice as high. What that means is through, what is it, 18 games, something like that, he's got three extra barrels, 19 games. So he's got one barrel per every six games. 
line drive yeah. rate, probably a somewhat similar number. You've probably got like 10 line drives right now. And so if he had eight, it would be the same rate as last season. So true. That's not to say he's not like he is playing well and he's capable mm-hmm. of continuing to play well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there aren't a lot of guys who are capable of four home runs and four steals in a month. Mm-hmm. You know, like just flat out, just that part of it makes it so that you probably shouldn't be selling Jazz Chisholm. And and but, just to f- and just to fit in with the theme of the show, as Chris mentioned it, I mean, Jazz Chisholm was one of the few players who was awesome last April as well, yeah. and then he wasn't basically any month thereafter. He was kind of the opposite of of so many studs around the game, and that's not to say. This year, uh, this year is going to repeat last year for all of these players, but it's just to point out how abruptly and how drastically things can change as it did for these very players last year. I know last year, I think it was mid-May, he got hit with a hamstring injury and then he had a COVID situation later on in the season. I'm making excuses for the guy, but you know there was some stuff that he was going through last year. The pull rate, I've mentioned this for a lot of Basically, any hitters that are playing well right now, the pull rate is up. It is up tremendously for Jazz Chisholm. So that is something I have noticed for him. I would look to sell high, I think, in a points league, just because I don't think the plate discipline will ever be great. It, look, sure. if he's this good, like he's just going to be good in that format regardless. But uh, I would look to sell high maybe in that format, but in Roto, uh, it, I, and, I would And I'll not. stress high. Like, I mean, obviously, you don't... The upside is is evident. And you don't want to, uh, just out of fear, pass up one of the biggest breakout players of the year. Like, you don't want to do that. But yeah. given how desperately most people need hitting right now, you could probably get a heck of a lot for Jazz Chisholm, and it might yeah. be worth pursuing. I've been reluctant to move him up. at. You mentioned second base, Frank. So many of the great hitters at that position are just off to dreadful starts. And I, I've been reluctant to move Ch- Chisholm ahead of them because... I don't feel like they'll perform that way all season long, and I'm skeptical he'll sustain this pace all season long. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I actually did move him up quite a bit in Roto. I moved him up to my fifth-ranked second baseman, so he's behind Story, he's behind Merrifield, he's just ahead of Altuve, Semien, Cattell Marte. Altuve it's close with because, you know, if he does what we all expected to, he should still be very good. But, yeah, he's top five now for me. We'll see uh, if he can keep it up. Waiver wire hitters I wanted to mention. We have already talked about Tommy Pham. Uh, Aaron Hicks went two for three with two walks, two runs scored. He attempted a steal, but was caught. Uh, He has attempted four steals in 20 games played. Find it interesting. He's 23% rostered. Again, that's Aaron Hicks. Sheldon Noisy, another strong game. Three for five. He's batting 329, 50% rostered. He has second and third base eligibility. Chris, Aaron Hicks at 23% and Sheldon Noisy at 50%. Do you think those roster rates need to be higher for either? No, Hicks is is one of those players that's really tough because like, I mean, it, look, if he continues to attempt a stolen base every five games, that would be, I don't know, 25 over the course of a full season, maybe 30. Uh, that, that would be notable. And he would probably be a must roster player in Roto Leagues. But I'm not necessarily convinced that that's something you should buy into just yet. His sprint speed is still pretty mediocre right now and he's two for two two for two and two on four attempts so i'm not sure how much he'll keep running and he's one of those difficult players who is probably more valuable in points leagues where for the most part you have only 36 outfielders he's not going to be one of the best 36 outfielders so i think he's pretty fringy in every format all right, in deeper leagues, a few names stood out. Yadiel Hernandez, three for four with a double and two RBI. He's batting 429 over his last seven games. Mike Moustakis is back with the Reds. He went two for four. He hit his first home run of the season. He's got six hits over five games since returning from the IL. Edward Olivares, four for five with two doubles, and he was leading off in this game. He's batting 379. Christian Walker went two for five. He hit his sixth home run of the season. The expected numbers look much better for Christian Walker right now. And the last name on this list, Chad Pinder, he went two for four. He has eight hits in five games since returning from the IL. Scott, any standout here? Yadiel Hernandez, Moustakis, Olivares, Christian Walker, Chad Pinder. I'm kind of interested in in several of these guys, actually. We've talked about Yadiel Hernandez before, just a really interesting profile. 
not going to be a power guy because he puts the ball on the ground too much, but he is, it's, he's un, like the shift can't stop him because he just hits the ball everywhere and he doesn't strike out much. So he's, he's probably a pretty safe source of batting average. I don't think he's going to play quite every day, so that might knock him out from standard mixed league consideration. But it's it's an interesting Michael Brantley-ish profile there for for Yadiel Hernandez. Um, Christian Walker, you mentioned he is impacting the ball very hard, putting it in the air a ton, and maybe as the uh, as the uh, environment conditions improve as the weather warms up that's going to translate to a, a better success rate on those balls he's putting in the air I'll, I'll also i'll also note his his line drive rate is virtually non-existent at this point which basically means he hasn't hit any line drives yet he hasn't gotten those those uh surefire hits on on uh, on all the balls so, so that explains why his batting average is so low relative to the the way he's hitting the ball but if he keeps hitting the ball like he's hit it i I think his numbers are going to be pretty solid much improved from last year when it looked like he had nothing left so christian walker is kind of an interesting pickup and there was a third one edward olivares yes yes that's the guy he is often finally happening maybe maybe touting edward olivares for like three years i'm pretty sure as a as a deep sleeper and uh yeah. Some interesting stuff there. Chris, no, he just yeah. had a great game. That means the Royals are going to send him down after this one, of course. Uh-huh. He's he's been the beneficiary of Adalberto Mondesi going down. They've had uh they've had Whit Merrifield move back to the infield. Olivares has played almost every day since then. Already two stolen bases. Got the four hits today. He he showed some power in the minors as well. And uh, he's got four stolen bases on the season now, right? Or is it just the two? Just sorry, the two. no, just the two. Just the two. Yeah, but it could finally be happening. He could finally have some roto appeal. All right, a few other hitting standouts I wanted to mention. Alec Bohm was moved up to number two in the lineup for the Phillies. He went two for four. He's now batting 322, 75% rostered. So might be out there in some 10 team leagues. Definitely should be added. And in deeper leagues, I'm. Might even be looking to buy high on Alec Bohm. I really like what I've seen there. J.D. Martinez, back-to-back games with a home run. Uh, he has five hits over these last two games. Carlos Correa slowly coming around. He went two for five. He has 13 hits over his last six games. The batting average is up to 264. Aaron Judge is absolutely on fire. He went two for five with his ninth home run. Ties him for the league lead with Anthony Rizzo and C.J. Crone, who also hit his ninth home run on Tuesday. John Carlos made a child cry today. Who is that? CJ Crone? Aaron Judge made a child cry. That's not true. Of joy. Okay. Yes. I saw that. That was actually really cool. The Blue Jays fan. Very he cute. caught the home run and he gave it over to a, a young Aaron Judge fan. That was awesome. John Carlos Stanton went one for four with his fifth home run. He now has an eight-game hitting streak, three homers during that span. Bo Bichette slowly coming around as well. He went two for four. He has seven hits, including a home run and a steal over his last four games. Seiya Suzuki, all of a sudden going the other way, uh, went 0 for four with two strikeouts. He is batting 204 over his last 15 games. Strikeout rate is up. Fly ball rate is 55%. So I think Suzuki might be uh, selling out just a little bit too much right now. Frankie, two hits. Bud. What's going on? One for four with two strikeouts. He is betting 213. He's still 76% rostered. Uh, Scott, is it okay to drop Frank Schwindel? Yeah, I, I would be okay with that in most contexts if there was somebody worth picking up instead. I'd, I'd drop him for like Tommy Pham, for instance. I wouldn't drop him for like an Edward Olivares, but that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a position where you need to be getting production and he's not providing it right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely dropping him for uh, league-leading batting average, Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer? Yeah, I'd I, would, sure. I would drop him for Olivares, honestly. Yeah. I, like, I guess it depends what you need, but if you need stolen bases, Olivares has a lot more potential there. Hosmer is now 80% roster. All right, someone's listening. Uh, Willie Adamas went one for four with his sixth home run. He has five homers over his last eight games. Luis Arias made his season debut on Tuesday. He was batting ninth. He went one for three with a walk, run scored, RBI, and caught stealing. 
At least he was trying to run, I guess. Bobby Witt Jr., two for three, hit his first home run of his career. He's betting 341 since he was dropped in the lineup. And the Nationals enjoyed their... 11-game hit streak for Witt. Yeah, awesome. Love to see it. The Nationals enjoyed their first game in Coors. Five players with multiple hits, including... Josh Bell went three for five with his third home run. Cabert Ruiz went three for four with three RBI. Uh, Juan Soto also hit his fifth homer of the season. Uh, there was a few pitching standouts that we probably should mention. I don't know if there's anything actionable with any of them, but we'll do it quickly. Alec Manoa makes it five for five in quality starts to open the season. Brandon Woodruff, season-high 12 strikeouts against the Reds. Uh, Carlos Rodon has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in each of his starts. Julio Arias, uh, back-to-back quality starts. He has allowed one earned run or fewer in four straight. And then uh, Kyle Wright, not really an ace-like performance in this one. Still pretty good, but he was much more human. Seven innings, nine hits, three runs, three strikeouts. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Kyle Wright, Julio Arias, Rodon, Woodruff, Alec Manoa? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, both Rodon and Wright, I think it's a good sign that they got good results despite not necessarily either having their best stuff or pitching at their best. They both had three strikeouts, didn't get a bunch of swinging misses like we've gotten used to. And obviously Carlos Rodon is both much higher end and more proven than Kyle, right? And I have more confidence in him, but it's good to see both of them have that kind of outing when their stuff wasn't at their best. Um, And then Brandon Woodruff, there's been some concerns this season. He hasn't pitched super well, but uh, there, there had been some stuff with his fastball not playing up quite as much. The swing strike rate hadn't been where where we'd seen it. And Woodruff is a guy who, unlike a lot of pitchers, really relies on his four seam fastball, especially to get strikeouts. And he has a very high swing strike rate on it. He got a ton of swing strikes today, eight of them on the fastball, eighteen overall. So that's a very good sign. He's fine. He's he's an ace. Scott, this guy is not necessarily an ace. He once was considered an ace. Noah Syndergaard. Uh, a seven-inning quality start at the Boston Red Sox. He, I, I can't figure him out right now. He's he's like pitching <laughs> to contact. He, his control has been awesome. Only five walks through his first, I believe it's five starts here. Uh, he's got a 2.63 ERA. His XFIP is up over four. If you can cash in on Noah Syndergaard, would you look to sell high on him? Yeah, I, I consider him a pretty obvious sell high candidate. Yeah. I was surprised to see, though, at least coming into this start, his swinging strike rate is basically what it's been throughout his career. It hasn't translated to strikeouts, obviously, and the velocity is way down, so you wouldn't you would expect the swinging strikes to be down too, but it, it hasn't been. Uh, so that you know that got me thinking, but I still think that the more reasonable take is that he's he's due to regress here. All right, the call to the bullpen. Edwin Diaz picked up his fifth save of the season. Liam Hendricks pitched a clean ninth inning for his sixth save and second in as many days. Joe Barlow pitched a clean ninth for the Rangers, picked up his second save. He's uh, still 62% rostered if you need a if you need a safe source out there. For the Red Sox, Jake Diekman was used to record four outs across the sixth and the seventh innings. Ryan Brazier pitched in the eighth. And Hansel Robles was warming up to pitch in the ninth inning. They had a 3-0 lead at the time. And then J.D. Martinez hit a solo home run in the ninth. That made a four-zip. And then they went with uh, Sawamura in the ninth inning. So, unfortunately, no save for Hansel Robles. For the Brewers, Devin Williams got his second save. Josh Hader was unavailable due to back spasms. The Diamondbacks, Joe Mantiply, uh, picked up his second save with Ian Kennedy pitching three of the last four days. And we already mentioned everything that uh, went on with Oakland. It's just Lutrovino made his return. He got blown up. So uh, Danny Jimenez looks like eh, maybe he will get more save opportunities moving forward. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. Madison Bumgarner at the Marlins. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Diamondbacks. Jose Quintana at the Tigers. Uh, Martin Perez at the Phillies, uh, Dylan Bundy at the Orioles, Kyle Bradish versus the Twins, Garrett Whitlock versus the Angels, Michael Pineda and Alex Fiedo are both going up against the Pirates. So I think yesterday I said Bundy, Eliezer Hernandez, Madison Bumgarner, not that I like any of them, but you're, you're forcing me to pick three. I might move Jose Quintana ahead, maybe to the top of that list, but I, you know, of, I... You'd rather not start any of these guys. 
in a roto league, I might just have Garrett Whitlock at the top. Although Mass and Bumgarner, the Marlins have been aggressive with platooning. Uh, they've sat Jazz Chisholm and Jesus Sanchez against some lefties. I would be surprised if they sat Jazz tomorrow, but or today, but it wouldn't surprise me if Sanchez was out. But Marlins are like 26th in Woba against lefties, so that may not be the worst outcome. Yeah, Mad Bum, much like Brad Keller and Chris Flexen, who we mentioned earlier, the ERA looks good, but the underlying numbers do not look yeah, very they're good. not <laughs> someone you want on your team long term, I don't think. For sure. Uh, for Thursday, we've got Rich Hill versus the Angels, Adrian Hauser versus the Reds, Taiwan Walker at the Phillies, and Nick Martinez going up against the Marlins. I think Hauser might be the only one that I'd want to go with. Yeah. Yep. Nick Martinez is okay, but I don't love it. Adrian Hauser? Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap there for Scott, Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.